Today's reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. The birth of Jesus foretold. It can be found on page 1025 of the Pew Bibles. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and we will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the gift that your Son is to us. Lord, we ask that by your Holy Spirit you would open our hearts to receive you this morning, to receive you afresh. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the expectation had been rising in me for some time. Someone was going to be coming home. Someone whom I had missed. Someone who I loved very much. I imagined how it would be to see her, to hold her, to sit and have a conversation with her. And when she finally got back, I did all of those things, and it was good. But it made me think... So often, a homecoming isn't quite what we expect. In the case of a loved one who is no longer with us, they don't come home. And many homecomings can end in bitter disappointment and conflict. This season is sadly known for quarrels and tensions, as people who don't always choose to be together come home. It can bring joy, But it can also bring sadness. This is not a happy season for everyone. If Christmas is to be celebrated without the company of a loved one or alone, it can be a really challenging time and one that we shouldn't take lightly. There's a charity I discovered called Stop, Breathe, Think. And these guys provide online counselling for young people outside of the NHS, and they're able to see counsellors without, without waiting. And they've done some research, and this research suggests that children and young people are particularly concerned about their mental health during the Christmas season. Two out of three of them believing that there is an increased pressure to feel happy. 
And some even expressed that they felt pressured to suppress their mental health issues around this time. These are things that are difficult to think about and to contemplate. But tonight, in the small hours, Jesus will be born. God is coming home to be with us. Is it going to be everything that we expect it to be? What, in fact, do we expect it to be? Will it be something that happens around us, that we witness and experience from a distance? Or will it be something that happens to us? God chose to make his home in Mary, an unmarried virgin living in Nazareth. Due to the familiarity of this story, I think it's all too easy to overlook this utterly astounding information. God chooses Mary to be home to God. Mary is where God becomes flesh and dwells with us. Emmanuel. God chooses Mary and Joseph. He chooses the moment and he chooses the place. God chooses to be here with us on earth. Mary hasn't done anything particularly amazing to have been chosen. It is God's decision. And so she's visited, as we've heard in the prayers, by the angel Gabriel. And despite his opening words of encouragement, she is greatly troubled. So, as is customary, when angels speak to humans in the Bible, Gabriel goes on to tell her not to be afraid and that she has found favor with God. Amazingly, she doesn't run from this terrifying sight. She stays and she listens. And Gabriel continues to give her what could only have been devastating news. She was going to have a baby out of wedlock, an event that would inevitably ruin hers and Joseph's life. The prospect of a child outside of, of marriage in first century Palestine was no joke. At best, she could expect to be completely ostracized. At worst, to be stoned to death. But Gabriel continues, telling her about her relative Elizabeth's miraculous conception and reminding her that no word from God will ever fail. Mary's listening. And she responds in obedience. She already knows God. And remember, in verse 28, we know that the Lord is with her. But come on, it is one thing saying that you are the Lord's servant in the presence of a gigantic and terrifying angel straight after a phenomenal spiritual experience. But to live that out day after day through the stresses and strains of life would have been a different matter. How on earth did Mary live out her own words of unwavering obedience? May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary lived in the knowledge that the promises of God given to her by Gabriel were true. 
She took what she knew of God and she processed it deep within her. We know if we read further into Luke chapter 2 that Mary repeatedly pondered those things beyond human comprehension in her heart. She knew that they were too lofty for just momentary thought. Mary meditated, she prayed, and she pondered upon the truths of God. Now, God didn't just choose to make his home in Mary, the obedient teenager. He chooses to make his home in each one of us, too. We are home to the living God. And so we, too, need to listen and to respond in obedience. Now, we live in a culture where both the attributes of listening and being obedient can be a bit invisible. We don't like to listen. Why should we? We know best. And we certainly don't like to do what other people tell us to do. We live very much within this narrative. It's my right to do what I want. It is my choice to do what I want. What about what I want? And what does this ridiculous passage of Immaculate Conception have to do with the realities of my life anyway? But you see, if we look closer in this passage, there is a realism and there is adversity that is not removed from the world today. It's not simply an example of an out-of-this-world angelic vision and holy prophetic obedience, although it is both of these things, but it happens in the midst of real lives, real sadnesses, real terror, real poverty, and real fear. This passage and the whole Christmas story tells us that God comes not into a perfect picture through perfect people, but he comes into a real world via flawed people like me and like you. This passage brings hope in the midst of darkness, reminding us again that God is actually with us in poverty, in misery, in infertility, in loss, in fear, in rejection, in pain. God chooses to make his home in us, not because of anything that we've done, not because we've worked hard or prayed hard or been successful, but simply because he loves us and chooses to be with us. God does not come to put pressure upon us or to force us to fake happiness for this season. God comes to bring life and freedom and light from the darkness. He comes not to cause oppression, but to free us from it. Every man, woman, and child deserves to hear this truth and to then be helped to live within it. Only then will we see the burdens of this age fall away to be replaced by the hope, truth, and love of Jesus. But for that to become a reality... Once we have listened to the words of God, we are called to respond to them. 
Our task is to listen like Mary did, to hear God, to ponder upon the wonder and his action in the world. Are we listening? Our task is to notice what he's doing in the world. Do we notice God in the world as we ponder upon his promises? Our task is to be obedient to his call. Are we being obedient to God? Are we doing those things that he's asking of us? Our task is to grow and to nurture God within us so that we can take him out into the world. Our task is simple, to love God, love our neighbor, and to make disciples of all people. Our task is to live in our hearts what we believe in our heads. So today, tomorrow, and always, we can live as if the promises of God are true. As the baby comes home tonight, we can choose to witness and experience it from a distance, protected from the profound and life-changing truth that he brings. Or we can let the incarnation happen to us, allow that truth to sink down deep from our heads into our hearts. We can choose to ponder upon it, store it up, reflect upon it, and pray about it in the days to come. And even if those days are dark, and they might be, our reality may be painful and not as we, could, and not as we want it, still we can live in that truth because God said he would come home, and he did. God said he would be killed and raised again three days later, and he was. God said he will come again to wipe every tear from our eyes, where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things has passed away. And if he said he will come, then he will come. So today, we can afford to live as if his promises are true, because he is with us, and because no word from God will ever fail. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Amen.